Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. I wanted to cover some of the cool stuff that we have coming up. May 1st, I'll be supporting the show at the Ohio Bigfoot Conference, held at Salt Fork State Park. July 30th, I'll again be supporting the show at this year's Michigan Bigfoot Conference in Chelsea, Michigan. And then I'll be hosting my own conference, Bigfoot and Brews, on September 10th in the Sister Lakes region of Dwajak, Michigan. The setting for the event will be the Sister Lakes Brewing Company. This will be in recognition of the Dewey Lakes Monster Sighting of 1964. Guest speakers will include Ron Moorhead, James Lady, Val Zalvala, and John from my episode 2 and 3 in his first speaking engagement ever. Head over to BigfootAndBrews.com for all the available info. Tickets are on sale now. In the ticket section, you'll find options for vendors applications and even a sponsors option. If you're able and you'd like to help support this event, you can do it there or you can email me directly at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. Please rate and review us on Apple and iTunes and make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at Uncomfortable Podcast. Now, let's get into tonight's show. Doing that, I was face to face with it. It was holding me by my throat, and it felt like it was sucking something out of me. I probably should have been more scared than I was when I witnessed the exorcism. I turned and looked on my right side. When I did, there's there's a beam on the side of the tree, a large beam. It's looking at me, and I'm looking at it. After I hit the lock button and looked back up, I saw red eyes staring back at me. If they're going to show multiple gods all over the earth, be able to speak in people's languages, and at that point, it kind of converge into this one entity, which will be revealed as extraterrestrial. You'll realize that aliens are the gods of old, and at that point, it'll wipe religion out of the context of humanity. No, it couldn't have been a person, I know that. I know that people can't run through the woods like that. So this thing comes into view, and I see it. It's 50 yards away from me. It's walking. It's walking on two legs. It's huge. This is a big, hairy-looking being. gentlemen tonight our guest i'm very excited to bring to you he is taking advantage of technology today and where everybody has a a smartphone in their pocket and your smartphones are filled with apps this gentleman has created an app and that app is called 
the Bigfoot Mapping Project. Mr. Scott Tompkins is with us tonight to discuss all of the efforts that have gone into producing this app, and eventually we're going to get around to what inspired him to create it to begin with, which will be some personal experiences on his own. So ladies and gentlemen, if you would, give a warm, uncomfortable welcome to Scott Tompkins. Hello, thank you, Eric, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, this is I'm, I'm glad we were able to make this work, man. This is actually my only my second uh, podcast interview, so if I do the um and uh, you might have to edit it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I still do a good number of ums and uhs. Uh, to, to be honest, it annoys the hell out of me. It's, so. <laughs> it's, I listened to the first playback I did, and I cringed the whole time, but uh, I'm doing it now. I'm quite excited to be here and start to talk, share uh, the effort I've gone through in creating Bigfoot Map, the Bigfoot Mapping Project app, where we leverage crowdsourcing technology uh, and GIS to start to build a database of Bigfoot sightings. And with that big database, we can apply big data principles and really pull out trends and start to learn new facts at a macro level or even at a local level uh, in certain areas about Bigfoot behavior. That's that's really interesting. Now, you you rattled off some three-letter terminology there. Uh, for those of us d- that don't understand it, kind of clarify what that means. Sure. Uh, GIS is Geographic Information Systems. That's actually uh, what I have a degree in from, uh, shout out to SUNY Cortland, Dr. Dave Miller. He's uh, probably listening, hopefully. Uh, he's a great <laughs> professor, and he introduced me through an elective course uh, while I was taking outdoor education was my major to GIS geographic information systems, which is, um, simplest way to put it. It's it, it is mapping software where you can analyze data, geo databases. So you're tying information to locations, uh, spatial statistics, uh, network analysis, all kinds of stuff, uh, going on that you can, put into a system and uh, get information and analysis out. Uh, I mean, your, your Google maps is a great example of GIS, right? That's, that's a probably one of the leading examples of GIS that most Mm -hmm. everyone knows about. So it's really used on a daily basis. Yeah. (laughs) Almost every day, probably multiple times a day and without even realizing it, you're, DoorDash app, your uh, emergency services, everything, almost everything, location-based information relies on GIS nowadays. So you, you, obviously you're, you're highly schooled. We spoke prior to starting the recording and, you know, you're, you're working in uh, your, your regular daytime job is utilizing these kind of tools as well. So you're, you're well-versed in it. And, uh, you know, I, uh, when did your, when did your app come out? The app was released uh, about, I want to say, almost six months ago now, five, six months ago. Uh, And I think think if you have a way to go back and track uh, who was who were the first people to get this I think I'm gonna probably gonna be on that that first page as well as my son because when it went when it released it was something that I immediately went after and uh, I think we talked before the the show started uh, it's it's a two dollar it's a two dollar app on the on the Apple uh, app store it, it available for Android as well Apple and Android yes sir 
what about for uh, like uh, desktops? Yes, yeah, so, so I was just going to say that $2 um, does keep the lights on and keeps all the mapping software going and the website fees and um, stuff behind the scenes. But if uh, that $2 is, you know, a deterrent to buy, buying the app, you can access everything that's in the app on the website. It's www.bigfootmap.com. There's a web app that matches the functionality that's in the mobile app. So you can access everything. And I've actually included some more bells and whistles in the web app uh, that didn't necessarily function quickly or fast on a mobile app. So mm-hmm. some of the mobile friendly stuff um, is, is in the app. And then if it wasn't really mobile friend, friendly, I kicked it over and kept it on the web app. So, uh, yes, it is available on the website as well. Every- oh, that's, that's, that's good. Uh, that's good to know because I've had some people ask about that and, uh, there's your answer. Mm-hmm. It is available. It is. So. Yep. All right. So I've noticed through use of this, uh, that it is a, it is a very nice little companion pocket companion for Bigfoot enthusiasts which is what I categorize myself with. I'm not a boots on the ground investigator. I've never prof- professed myself to be a boots on the ground investigator. You can kind of get lost in it um, because you have, you have varying different levels of information on there. Um, some of the, if I'm not mistaken, when you first look at the map, you get a, you get a map of the United States and you have some very bright red ones. That's right. And, and those are the most recent sightings since 2020 is that correct those are sightings that were submitted via the crowdsourcing feature in the app so if you or if you go to the website too there's an option to submit a sighting so anything that came that came into the bigfoot mapping project database after the website went live those are the red ones that pop up on the map so they could be any at, at any point in time excuse me um but they are they were submitted just recent additions yeah just recent additions yes okay so i notice you have uh there's some that have have like a a speaker icon which i assume indicates just a a vocalization of some sort Um, then you then you have some several yellow bigfoot silhouettes uh and and what are those uh, what do those indicate (laughs) So there's, uh, in both the web app and the, the, uh, mobile app, there's a legend. And if you run through, we've got the, uh, Bigfoot, yellow Bigfoot is a sighting. Uh, the audio icon is an audible. So it means, you know, the report indicates that they heard something. There's a footprint footprint as well, where they, uh, obviously found a footprint. So you can look at the map without having to click on everything engage what kind of activity people have reported in that area. Is there a lot of sightings? Are they finding a lot of evidence? Are they hearing a lot of things going on? Mm-hmm. Um, we try to key parts of a map, obviously is symbology and you want your reader or user to be able to pull out information without having to dig too much, uh, and, and bring things to the surface in a map. So that's what I, what I try to do for Bigfoot, uh, for folks like you and myself who, are out there wanting, wanting to learn more about our area or even go peruse sightings in California, for example, we can go do that without having to be on the ground and we can get an idea of patterns that we see, um, all over the place. You know, the one thing that struck me, uh, initially, and I think might've been like the, the second or third icon that I, that I tapped on the screen. Um, it, it 
it gives you a little legend and it tells you, I believe it starts off with the, the date of the sighting and some, some, a very short synopsis of, of what the sighting was. And then there's a, a highlighted little blue, uh, it says more info. And when I tap that, uh, on, on the first or second time, it took me directly to the BFRO website where you had the expanded information as far as the the actual report that was turned into them how did you end up getting to access their information and and tie that into your your app so uh i compiled there's a great website called manjani's bigfoot sightings and it's a historical database of bigfoot sightings from the bfro the kentucky bigfoot research research organization um pencil pennsylvania bigfoot research research organization. That's a tongue twister. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but there's, they've combined and created a, uh, an online historical database that takes those URLs and locations of those sightings from those websites and, and, uh, aggregates them into a database. So I use that as a historical jump off point and integrated that into my app so that people could, you know, start to research, uh, via their mobile. And I'd, I'd like to mention that as far as I've read, um, this gentleman, Mr. Manjani, he did great work, but, um, sadly based in my research, I believe that he uh, stopped in 2016 because uh, he might've passed away the man that was managing this. So, oh, really? um, I hope that, uh, I've picked up the torch in good faith and honored uh, his efforts uh, respectably. And I do in the app make sure to give uh, the historical database credit. I call it Manjani's historical database. I want people to know where this information is coming from um, because these research organizations spend so much time and effort and they, right, they yeah. deserve to have, you know, uh, proper recognition. Credit. Yeah, yeah so absolutely. This is a historical database that has, um, uh, all I hope to do is build on that. I don't want don't want to take any credit for the work they've already done. It's very important to me that they're recognized for their efforts, especially the BFRO. I mean, gosh, they made thing they made Bigfoot so popular. We were just talking about before the podcast, you know, finding Bigfoot, and right, without yeah. without that show or without that publicity, I don't think I'd be sitting here talking about my Bigfoot app um, and the effort that I've gone through or the inspiration I had to even create it. Uh, sure. it's, it, I might not be here. So, uh, I do want, I'm glad you brought that up. It's very important to me that they get the proper credit and they're cited for it. You know, and you know, the, on your end, you, you have to give yourself credit for having the, the wherewithal to be able to access this information and, and have an understanding that, if you put it all at someone's fingers, fingertips in, in a much more concise thing, and they don't have to go to six different websites to get this information. Um, it, it's a lot more beneficial to, to the enthusiasts like myself. Um, and also probably for researchers as well. Absolutely. Um, it, being able to bring everything into a, like a, I call it a living repository, uh, into one place helps people uh, build and see the big picture. If you have disparate data sets sitting in one website here, another website on the other side of the internet, and then the BFRO, and then a lot of, a lot of um, organizations have their, they've contributed in, in like Excel or different media to me or types of files. 
that you might not be able to access all of this and without really having access to a lot of data, you, you really might not build the picture you are able to, if you are able to conveniently zoom in. And if, if I've taken that like that bit of work out of it for most people to go out and start doing their own research or just recreationally enjoy looking for Bigfoot, even, um, that's what this app is for. And then going forward with that, I've included the uh, crowdsourcing feature, which is probably the most important part from my point of view is building the database going forward. So where are those new sightings happening? Can we uh, be urgent with uh, new? We just had one a few weeks ago where uh, I think it was submitted February 15th, I think. And it was, I reported it on the 22nd, you know, instantly, this is where that, that Bigfoot sighting happened. This was the behavior. Here's where it was. But what do you guys think? You know, can we get out there and monitor that or just being able to react quicker rather than having to scour the internet and monitor 15 different sites or even more. Um, right. Now I'm going to ask you a difficult question here. And it, it's not to put you on the spot, but it, it is it is something that um, came came to my attention with the the immediacy that you you can report a sighting. You can potentially put people on a very fresh piece of evidence rather quickly. Yes, sir. And in in one of my friends. Uh, uh, Facebook pages that he runs. I, I, I saw and, and overlooked a, uh, it wasn't really a, it wasn't really a pissing match, but he raised concerns, not that he had heard or was making any assumptions about you or your group, but he did not want to. And I, I hope I'm not, overstep on my bounds here. He did he didn't want to provide any information that would aid pro kill groups. And I think that he was he was hesitant to allow information from your collective to be shared within his group without knowing your where you where you stand on that and and i mentioned to him that i was reaching out to you and and this had been going on with you and i for for a little bit of time now we we've, we've just mm-hmm. finally been able to catch up yeah so, we've, we've been going back and forth playing tag yeah. for a bit <laughs> so um and i reached out to him and i said hey i'm i'm gonna have scott on on the show and and i'm gonna ask him this question because not that not that i'm making a judgment one way or the other but if 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 it falls within the parameters of what's allowable within the group, then there's no reason that his information ought, should not be shared within those groups and have some knowledge behind what what the knowledge of, of your stance behind this. So if you wouldn't mind, um, how would you respond to to that? I think that's a great question. Um, I'm a hunter myself, so I take ethical hunting practices and conservation very, very, very seriously. My brother's a game warden. <laughs> so, um, that's good. <laughs> so I, uh, I've 
I look at what I'm trying to do. And of course, with anything, um, there's always people that misuse or abuse good things. Certainly. But what I'm trying to do is approach the research I'm doing about Bigfoot as if I were a conservation agency. So a good example would be like the Wild Turkey Federation or Trout America, uh, you know, Ducks Unlimited is another one. They go out and they learn about duck migratory routes. They learn about where they breed. They learn about what they eat and those types of things so that they can manage and, and improve the population and protect it. Um, obviously that's for hunting purposes. So that's not what I'm trying to do. (laughs) That's the only difference is I'm not trying to improve the population so people can go hunt it, but I am trying to, um, build an understanding through GIS and reports and enriching that data with environmental information and, uh, different types of data so that we can, start to understand how we can conserve and protect Bigfoot, even if we never really discover or put our hands on a specimen. Um, my goal is to be proactive and, and, and help build conservation areas or help eventually. I mean, there's states that are making laws about hunting Bigfoot. Right. If maybe based on some of the information we come up with, they can have uh, areas that are protected. Um, we There's not to say that the Bigfoot would be there, but based on our data, we can go fence these areas off, quote unquote, fence these areas off, make them uh, limit the access, those types of things. So I appreciate the concern. I think using data responsibly goes along with, you know, my, my ethics and my degree. As a matter of fact, that's the first thing we're taught is, you know, maps can tell a lot of things, but be responsible with what you're putting out there. And, uh, that's, that's why I waited a week to publish that other sighting that I was just referring to. It was, it was posted on February 15th, but I, I gave it a week, um, just to make sure that it wasn't such an immediate response that I just staggered it. But, uh, in order to allow anything that was going on out there to, you know, make its way through or, or be safe really. So yeah. I hope that answers your question. Um, I think it does. I, I mean, I, I think you left a little bit of room to read between the lines, but it doesn't appear that you are. Uh, a proponent of, of, of wiping not. these things off the face of the earth. And, um, you know, your, your intentions are more for, uh, you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm speaking for him, uh, but you know, it, it, it falls very much in lines with what his, his data mining, uh, that he does himself it's it's virtually the same thing you've taken it to the 21st century with you know using the apps and the and the modern technology his is more of the old gumshoe uh you know writing down the specific uh, encounters and and stuff like that so um when i go to air this uh prior to airing it i'm going to send him a copy of this so he can listen to it and i'm going to suggest that he reach out or possibly I'll get both of you in contact with each other because I think sure. the uh, the vast amount of information that you have at your fingertips and the uh, the vast amount of information that he has, uh, I believe if I'm if I'm not stating it wrong, I think he has the largest physical database of Bigfoot uh, reports 
possibly in America. So, um, wow. Yeah. He's, uh, he is a 20, he's a retired 25 year plus uh, veteran of law enforcement and uh, he's just a great guy. Um, his name's I would Val, love to speak with him. Just Val, to... Val Zalvala, and uh, I've done a couple of episodes with him. He's actually going to be a speaker at my uh, Bigfoot and Brews, the conference that I'm going to be holding this uh, this September. Uh, cool. But I think, judging from your your response to that, I think you guys need to get uh, in contact with each other. I, th- I think you can help each other out uh, considerably. So, if I can add to uh, what I was saying before, sure. I. Um, I don't want to leave room in between the lines on uh, whether I am pro kill or not. I am not pro kill for Bigfoot. Uh, I believe that there are ways to study a species uh, and even uh, a physical specimen without killing them. Uh, We do it with bears. We do it with gorillas. We do it with large mammals all the time. Lions, big cats. uh, we, We dart them, take some measurements, blood samples, et cetera, and release them. So if we ever get to that point, I would love us to see, to take a, a responsible approach and a uh, live and let live type approach, just gather data, treat them with respect. Absolutely. Um, and then, and, and learn uh, rather than take the historical approach man has taken over <laughs> with so many other things. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just because it was right a hundred years ago, doesn't mean it's right now. Right. We've learned so, a lot. And, yeah. and that's my goal is to promote a positive, uh, a positive activity exploration policy and conservation policy and just contribute in a good way. Uh, of course, um, like we were saying earlier, there are people that you, you can't control what everyone's going to do. And unfortunately there are people that will misuse anything that's out there. So yeah, um, that's an unfortunate truth. Yes. So again, uh, I would urge anybody for a, for a measly $2 investment. Hell, you can't even get a, you can't even get a cup of coffee at Starbucks for two bucks. Um, this, this app has a, an awful lot of information within it. And the thing that I was not particularly aware, because many people, if you know me, you know that I'm not a fan of social media and it is, it is a necessary evil with trying to, uh, get people to, to understand, understand that I have a new episode coming out or a way to, to, to let people know that, you know, we have things going on. It seems to be the only way to do that anymore. And for that, it's a powerful tool, but, um, I, I tend to stay off of social media. I don't, I don't waste hours of my day looking at TikToks and, and stuff like that. But, um, I did go to your Instagram and on your Instagram, I was surprised to find that not only are you doing, uh, the, the information data collection that that's going into the app, but you're also doing some, some more narrowed down, um, uh, specialty type, uh, segments where you, you concentrate on a specific area or a, spe- a specific aspect to some of these sightings and, and, Tell us something about that because uh, I'm really interested specifically because a large listener base of my show, even though we're heard throughout the world, uh, in my U.S. audience, my largest audience is from Michigan. And as you know, Michigan is is quite well known for for Bigfoot sightings. And uh, you just recently did one on Michigan. So let's let's get into that and talk about that some. 
I, I did just do one on the UP in Michigan. So hello to all your Michiganders and your Upers out there. Um, it's a pleasure to talk about Michigan. I, uh, I, I found an interesting bit of data, um, hiking trails, right? So I started to look at the proximity of sightings to roads and highways. And then through that, I was like, wait a minute, there's, there's so much more of a network of hiking trails. Let me scour the internet and see what I can find to uh, really start to see where the intersection is in the woods for hikers, uh, hunters, woodsmen, woods people, and the Bigfoot sightings. And when I did that, uh, it really just, it's like turning on a neon sign. It's, oh my gosh, they're using these network of trails just like people are. Really? Um, yeah, it's if you look at the map, I'm going to pull it up so I can talk about it actually. But when you when you look at that map, it, it's just uncanny the intersection of Bigfoot sightings and the hiking trails, it, especially in the UP. I mean, the network is just it, it, the trails. If you go to the Instagram, uh, my Instagram Bigfoot Mapping Project, and look at this map, you will see just uh, the yellow dots are a sighting within one mile of a trail on that map, and. It, it's just insane. And then the orange ones are just a little further outside of that radius from the hiking trails. So almost all the sightings in the UP are within a, you know, a mile or two of a hiking trail. So yeah. uh, it's, it's pretty interesting to see what's going on out there. Cause I know that area is pretty um, dense wilderness and there's a lot of, a lot of outdoor activities that go on out there and, um, that's why I focused on that area because a good friend of mine is actually from Michigan. And, uh, she was like, you know, there's, there's all kinds of sightings. You do a Michigan map. And I was like, Oh, absolutely. So yeah. I looked at the state overall and the, the UP really jumped out at me as being kind of a hot spot, uh, it where absolutely is. Yeah. There were a lot of, um, sightings where people are getting good, visuals of Bigfoot and let, let uh, me interrupt real quick here. And for the listeners, if you're, if you're listening to this, I would recommend just go to, uh, go to Instagram and pull up the, uh, Bigfoot mapping project, Instagram page, uh, follow this guy, uh, Scott. And, and there, there's a, there's a number of, of these, um, I don't know what you would even call them, just like micro, uh, micro editions of, uh, of segmented information for specific areas. Uh, where are these, uh, the, the, the parts that you're showing here on Instagram, are those available in, in a little bit larger size on the, on the website? Uh, no, uh, not yet. Um, okay. people have requested it. So I think what I'm going to roll out, uh, hopefully some of the next, this is the first time I'm even saying this out loud. So, uh, it might be a little while, but the, I'm going to start to roll out, roll out mini web apps on the website. So you can interact with these maps. Not only, it won't just be a picture that you're looking at, you. like on Instagram, you'll be able to it'll be a condensed area, a specific area of interest. Like you're looking at the Michigan UP there. It'll, that'll be the map and you'll be able to interact just as if you were in the app itself. And that'll, those will be on the website. I think that the Instagram's a great uh, piece of social media to get information out there and to build interest. But I want people to be able to really start to 
build their own knowledge base. And uh, that's what the project is really all about is, is highlighting what we can do with, by leveraging modern technology and this, this uh, sector of GIS geographic information systems in our endeavor to find and learn more about Bigfoot. So the more, the, the better I get at sharing new ways to look at these sightings with interesting data from the USGS, uh, different wildlife agencies, conservation agencies, uh, the BLM, that you name it, anywhere I can find reliable data sets and incorporate those into our studies, uh, that's what I'm going to try and do and share with everyone so that you can see how, how, how important it is to get your sighting into the database. If, if you're willing to share it, I think that uh, the more sightings we get, the more information we'll be able to reliably predict, learn, map, um, and, and understand. Yeah. And you know, the whole experience with, you know, using the app and then, and with the stuff I found on your Instagram, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a great, it's great. It is. I mean, I, I've got no other word I can really use for it. It's great. The only, the only drawback to it is when I look at that, that map of the upper peninsula, I, I want, I want to be able to, I want to dig into it. Right. I want to, uh, I want to be able to pull it up on my, on my screen, on my laptop and go straight to the trails that I've been on and mm-hmm. see if those are remotely close to any of where the sightings are. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's, if, if there's one thing that I'm going to critique, critique about it is that you've not provided that yet. And, <laughs> and it sounds like it's, it's in the, in the works, in the process. It's like, it's like you read my mind. I was just thinking that uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, I was like, what can I do? That's a, I just, um, one of the latest posts I made was about, uh, magnetic anomalies, uh, in the U S and it's at a really, really high level. Um, it's at the extent of the whole United States, which you'll see some of the maps that I make really portray the, like, for example, forest types in the U S and, and we break that down and how many sightings are in the, uh, deciduous forest versus this type of pine forest or, um, some statistics that we can start to understand the, the database in a different way. And, it's great for me. I, I can zoom in and click all day long, but I know people out there want to do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So it occurred to me that, uh, I should really get on figuring out a way to provide at least like a series of interactive maps, maybe regionally or, uh, with different features. And I am very much open to suggestions. So if any of your listeners would love to reach out, please, I, my, if I can drop my email here, please email oh, me. It's uh, Scott at bigfootmap.com or reach out on Instagram or Facebook. Really, the email is probably the best way so I can track it easier. But suggestions and um, any any cr- criticisms they have, please, uh, I'm very open to it and uh, looking forward to hear what they have to say. You know, the the thing that screams out to me about this this uh, this tool that you've developed and, and I don't want to, I don't want to draw a, a correlation between the two, even though he himself has drawn somewhat of a correlation to it. And, <laughs> and who I'm referencing is Dave Pilates with the missing 411 uh, information. Um, for some reason, when I go to your Bigfoot Mapping Project app, I could 
I keep thinking that what, you know, swipe over to the second screen and here's where all the missing people are. And, and here's the overlay of the, the Bigfoot hotspots with the, the missing 411. And I, I like, holy, sh- talk about opening up a new, <laughs> a new uh, send, rabbit hole. Um, I need to send that to you. I actually did do a map of that. Did you? Uh, yes, I did. It's, uh, I'll send it to you. Um, and I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll repost it on, on the, uh, on the Instagram to correlate with our, episode i'll try to put all the maps we referenced together in a post um good idea that way everyone can go through and swipe through and i'll share that with you for sure but yeah i did do a missing persons uh map compared to bigfoot sightings and i did it in i only kept uh, in that analysis sightings and missing persons reports in national forests and parks because one of the um God, what was the name of the book? There's a book I just read about missing persons in, uh, I think it's like the cold, the cold vanished, uh, is the name of the book. Mm-hmm. It's about missing persons in national parks and national forests. And the national park service doesn't necessarily keep a database yeah. of missing persons. Which and is it's really odd. It, it is. Um, it's interesting the way they manage jurisdiction, uh, they talk about it in the book and I'm by no means a law enforcement expert, but, uh, the little bit of, uh, information I pulled out about search and rescue and, and missing persons in national parks in particular really, um, and it's funny in the book, it's ironic. I shouldn't say it's funny. The, the father that's looking for, uh, his son who is missing, who he later finds in, in the national park. Uh, actually goes to visit with a woman who claims to speak with a Bigfoot. Um, and it's right outside uh, the Ho rainforest in Washington uh, where where she go, they meet and they speak about Bigfoot. And there's a lot of interesting parallels between missing persons reports, the unexplained, and the proximity to Bigfoot sightings in these areas. And when you look at the map, uh, really, when you line them up next to each other, it's really uh, um, uncanny yeah. to see. Uh, I should really do an analysis about you know the densest areas compared and compared to each other. And uh, but when you look at it visually, it's it's Stunning, very huh? yes, it's uh, it, it definitely raises your eyebrows. <laughs> well, you know, and and some of the other uh, some of the other interesting things that I I think and and I'm not trying to tell you that you need to do these. But I mean, another thing I would be interested in is, you know, this, the, the magnetism that you're talking about throughout the, uh, the, the different areas of land and even getting into like, uh, the ley lines that, uh, that go throughout the world. It, it'd be interesting to see where the, the intersection of ley lines going throughout the U S if those line up with any of, of, of these hot spots as well, you know, uh, there's so many, so many weird things that, that are associated with, uh, with Bigfoot, you know, whether it be seeing lights in the sky or, you know, physical UFOs or coming in and out of portals on Skinwalker ranch or, you know, all these things, Absolutely. And, you know, it would just be, it, it seems like you're just, uh, you know, six or seven months in you're, you're scratching the surface of, of what you could do with this, this information. 
And, uh, honestly, it's exciting for me because I mean, this is, this is right up my alley. You know, I don't, I don't have, I don't have the, the time or the ability to, to get out and spend, you know, countless hours in the woods traipsing around. Um, but my interest in it is, is no less than, than what some of these people that are uh, physical researchers, you know, so, um, it's a great, great thing. I'm glad you bring that up, uh, talking about not being able to get out and traipse through the woods. There's, uh, if you hit the app in the website, there's, uh, the university of New Hampshire has a great phenology, uh, camera network. So I've made those available in the app. If you turn the layer on, you can actually go look at photo archives of these phenology cameras that take a picture or two a day oh, in really? these areas. And you can, there are, these archives have thousands and thousands of pictures. So uh, you can click around the map. I think there's 700 of them globally. And I, I highlighted. Uh, now that you mention it, I did see that. Yeah. And you can just click on them and it'll bring you to their website and you can look uh, at the archive of pictures. Some, some of the cameras are better than others. There's 700 of them and they focus on different things. Snowfall and phenology, I believe is the study of um, seasonal change. Uh, if I'm not mistaken. So I just found that and incorporated those because they take pictures of from the mountaintop through meadows. They take it in dense forests and uh, you can really see a lot of, I was hoping incidentally somebody might see something in some of the photos if they're looking through, you know, a photo archive. So I try to pull in as much useful constructive information into the app and disperse that out to people who might not be able to get out and look for Bigfoot, but are still have an interest or want to learn more or, um, right. Or, or, or somebody who has not investigated a specific area can get a pretty good idea of what that area is going to hold in, hold in store for them by, by using this app, you know, not only are you, uh, pinpointing the, the dates and the, you know, we can draw a correlation to these are some heavier months as far as sightings or the time of day, or, you know, what kind of weather precludes the, the sighting. And then, um, you know, being able to access actual photography of, of the area, the site that you're going to be at, that's, that's huge. You can build some intelligence about where you want to go. Yeah. And really, some, I've had people that, <laughs> it's, it's a nice compliment, they've used the app to plan their vacations. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, yeah, you could use so, that to plan a vacation, yeah. They, that they have. It's, uh, it's, they'll reach out and they'll just say, you know, I never thought about going to this specific area and looked at the app and I'm going. I'm going to camp. I'll let you know what I find. And it's really cool to see that, that people are integrating this uh, into their, their lives like that and that it's having a positive impact. So there's, I mean, to go back to what your friend was concerned about, uh, there's two sides, right? There's the Bigfoot side and the scientific side and learning more, uh, which I love. Um, I love to dive into, I was originally a conservation biology major way back when, when I was in college and I love critters and protecting them and learning more about the environment. Um, but I've also learned through this experience, uh, that, I, I really like the people side. I, I like talking to people like yourself. I, mm-hmm. There's a few other, there's people that reach out on Instagram that I, I never would have had the pleasure of meeting or discussing their ideas with had I not put this out there. So I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for the time and the support people 
put into the app and the website and also very grateful and happy to discuss anything they want to talk about when they reach out. I think it's great. Yeah. That's one of the wonderful things about doing something like this. You know, now your yours is, is decidedly different than, than what I do with this, uh, with the podcast, but you, you hit the nail on the head. You end up creating these relationships with this, this community of people that find what you're doing interesting how, do you have a do you have an idea of how many uh, how many subscribers you have to the the app? To the app itself, um, right now I think we're just over uh, two thousand between Android and Apple together. And then I also have uh, subscribers to the website, and there's a few hundred. I have a forum on the website which it's underutilized in my opinion, but <laughs> there's a forum on the website where you can discuss and post events and things like that. I've tried to build a uh, community side to the website in there as well. So I, altogether I'd say about three, probably just under 3000 people That's are, yeah. are really part of the project either through the app or, um, through the website. And I don't want to exclude everyone that follows me on Instagram because they might not have discovered the app or the website either. And, um, it seems to keep growing. So I'm, I'm really grateful for that. Please, please let me know what you want to see. Reach out. Um, it's really cool to be a part of something constructive and, uh, use social media in, in a different way yeah. than to just <laughs> post memes or anything. Not that that's a bad thing, but <laughs> it, it, it kind of uh, takes on a life of its own. And it, it and you find, at least for me, you you kind of you, you still have a really tight hold on the reins. You know where you're you know where you're going, but at times you're getting there faster than you assumed. <laughs> and uh, yeah. you know sometimes the the ride is a little rougher than you were expecting, and other times it smooths out and and you see some beautiful scenery along the way. So um, it's, it's I do it's a yeah. lot of fun. I have a funny story about not uh, things speeding up faster than you expect. And uh, uh, I'm really enjoying this podcast, by the way. This is probably the most fun I've had in a long time. Oh uh, talking to you. Too. But uh, two weeks after I put the website up, um, I got an email. And uh, it was from Jeff Meldrum. <laughs> I was like, nice. get out of here. I didn't, I thought it was my, I told him this too. I, I honestly thought it was one of my friends mm-hmm. pulling, you know, pulling my leg, like, haha, we'll get Scott. So I called the number and, uh, that he, that was in the bottom of the email and he picks up and this is Jeff. And I was like, you know, <laughs> fan <boy moment. laughs> so, uh, at that moment I was like, it was just that much more motivating that, um, that, that just through sheer happenstance, he happened to be, uh, contributing to his uh, relic hominoid inquiry, and I wrote a uh, article. If you can find it in published uh, in on his website out of Idaho State University no about tech, about the Bigfoot mapping project. Yes, sir. So it's just funny. You don't ever really know what's going to happen, and yeah. uh, that was a very very pleasant surprise. Yeah. Um, doors doors open. You find that you find that a lot. Doors doors start opening, and you know it's up to you whether you go through it or not, and and make something <laughs> of it. But uh, yeah, it's 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 really a neat neat environment to be a part of. To be honest, I am I am dying to tell you about my. Uh, I've listened to a few of your episodes, and I'm dying to tell you about my encounter, um, which is what one of the, 
one of the inspirations for my uh, for my passion for mapping Bigfoot. Uh, if if you'll allow me, I, I'm happy to jump right into it. Absolutely. Um, I was. I'll start with my personal. I've had two uh, two encounters just about 20 years apart. So my first encounter was in Beacon, New York, where I grew up, born and raised, um, about an hour as the crow flies north of New York City on the Hudson River. I was on Mount Beacon on the backside of the reservoir, and my I was 14 years old, and uh, we were hiking to the fire tower, uh, which is the highest point on that mountain there. You can see the New York City skyline from the top. It's beautiful. And we were starting around the last corner to get to that trail that goes to the fire tower. And all of a sudden there's this just thunderous roar. And that's really the only way I can describe it. It's a roar. It's not humanly just a decibel level. If somebody was able to create that, they were using a megaphone. It was unreal. And it's kind of, I don't know. It just penetrated your core. Uh, and my my hair went up, and I looked at my buddy Tim, who I was with, who is now uh, restoring trails out, God knows where he is in the Sierra Nevada somewhere. Uh, oh, wow. He's a pretty cool guy, and we looked at each other, and we just bolted down the mountain, down the mountain, and the tree. When we look back, you can see this giant tree, just shaking. I mean, the the trunk around this, the diameter had to have been maybe 18 to 24 inches around the entire tree. So it yeah. wasn't a small tree and they measure. Uh, I only know this cause I, uh, later when I was in college, we took a, I took a class and they measure trees. It's called DBH diameter at breast height. So if I had to guess, I would say it's, it was 24 inches around. This tree was big and just shaking all the way up into the canopy. So whatever it was, um, I, I would classify it as a, Bigfoot now, yeah. uh, but at the time I just was scared out of my wits and we made it down the mountain and told our parents and they just didn't believe us, you know, ah, you <laughs> were just course. scared of something, somebody messing with you. But that was my first encounter. So from then on, um, I was pretty on the Bigfoot train, uh, as far as be- uh, being a believer. Well, up, up, up until that point, what was your, were you were you steeped in the in the idea of Bigfoot at all? Uh, Up until that point, I really didn't have an opinion. Uh, I, I was open to the idea that uh, Bigfoot could exist because mm-hmm. nobody really knows everything. There's so much wilderness in the Northeast in the United States. I was open to the idea. I wasn't dismissive of it by any means, but I just wasn't as interested in it as I I became after yeah. having an experience. I, it really stuck with me all the way through well to to today um and then the this is this is the i I couldn't wish for a better encounter than i had in this past october uh as i mentioned earlier i'm a hunter and i was bow hunting in october of this past season uh just west of houston here in a a, the town called sealy texas and I was walking out because I was unsuccessful. I didn't see any deer, nothing really that evening. And I walked out from the river bottom where I was hunting. There's a, a dry riverbed and it seasonally fills up. So it's a great place for deer and hogs and, and things to pass through. Uh, it's really a pass through property. 
and I'm walking out quietly because I, I don't want to startle anything to get to my truck. So I hit the cow pasture and I start to walk down the fence and I look to my left as I'm just about 30 yards from my truck. So I look to my left and diagonally off my left shoulder, I see a dark shadowy mass. You know how after the sun just sets, there's things are just kind of different shades of black and blue and gray. And you can see that it's a, a, a figure or an object is just a little darker than everything around it. Yeah. Well, I saw that and I thought it was a hog because there's huge hogs here in Texas. So I was like, Oh wow, that's a big hog. I just kind of stood there and watched it for a second. Didn't make a sound. Um, I just, and then probably two seconds of after it must've realized I was looking at it or just saw me. It stood up. I, this thing stood up and the grass which can be two to three feet tall was like waist height on this figure. And it had really wide set shoulders and its arms came out kind of diagonally down and I could make out it's like it's hands, you know, we're like, I I could see hands and definition and shoulders. It didn't really have a neck. It had a huge head. Um, So when it did that, uh, you can tell I like to talk and I really always have something to say. <laughs> uh, I, I literally just said, whoa, whoa, is all I could think to say. And when I said that, it squatted back down. And uh, what seemed like a few minutes later, probably only a, a few seconds, I, I couldn't think of anything else to say because I was terrified. Now, Truly, I, you were I, alone, correct? I was alone with my bow. Um I don't carry a sidearm or anything other than my bow when I'm bow hunting. I, um, so that's the only, I had a knife, but that's the only real weapon I had. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm standing there and I'm just like, okay. Uh, I didn't think of what to say. So I, I, I literally just said, I see you. <laughs> like, no, I see you. you. Did not. Yeah. <laughs> I see you. And it stood back up and bolted into the woods, just crashing through the woods, the trees. Uh, and I later went and looked during the day at this spot and this it's full of brambles and briars and burrs and uh, trees and, and vines. And this is nowhere a person would run through in a coordinated way at all without falling and hurting themselves in the dark. There was no light. This, it disappeared. This creature, um, and after the shock wore off, I, I had just a level of, I can't describe it in any other way other than like primal fear where, you know, that you have that feeling of something's watching me. Yeah. I'm suddenly part of the, the, the food cycle out here. Uh, I had that feeling and, and it, once it wore off, I, and I could think a little more logically, I was like, that was Bigfoot. That, that was Bigfoot. You know, and I called, I called my mom, <laughs> you'll never believe what I just saw out here. I saw Bigfoot. I saw, and this is of course, after I'd started the Bigfoot mapping project. So then a couple of days go by and I was like, man, nobody is going to believe that the Bigfoot mapping project guy had a Bigfoot. In- yeah. <laughs> so, um, whether they believe it or not, it, it was so let, something let, I'll never forget. Let's, let's delve into the sighting a little bit more, um, sure. detail wise. Um, you know, again, go back to the lighting conditions were, uh, poor 
I assume. Uh, yes. You know, you're, you're getting into the, the area of dusk, I assume. Right. It's just after sunset. Um, when you lose, when you lose enough light, you can't really hunt with a bow anymore. And you're only, it's a half hour after sunset that you're allowed to, that's good enough. It's really sunset is just about as good as it's going to get for a bow. And, um, I, I just sit there just to see what comes through. And, uh, so I got up and walked out and out there it's, um, there's not a lot of light pollution, but you can see if the moon is out, you can see well enough to walk without a flashlight. If you, if you're on a trail and you know the trail, you can see well. Um, so I was walking out on a trail and, uh, it's just, that's how I, that's what I noticed. It was like 30 yards away, uh, just kind of squatted there. And like I said, it, it looked like a hog, like a little, like a low to the ground mass, like a, just a round undefined mass mm-hmm. squatting in. It was squatting or sitting. I don't know really what it was doing um, behind a scrub brush. Really? I wouldn't call it a tree. It was like a bramble type bush, thin bramble. Yeah. And I could see just behind that. So I assumed it was a hog just digging, digging at the bottom of a bush like they do. And, looking for grubs or whatever they eat roots and stuff. And, uh, so I stopped and cause it was big enough where I'm not going to tangle with a, a big hog. They're right. two, 300 pounds. So, and they are pretty dangerous. And usually if there's one, there's more. So I was just going to let it pass through and do its thing and then walk to my truck. And, uh, that's when it stood up. So do you, do you have a, uh, do you have an estimate on size? How, how tall do you think it was? <laughs> I yes, only because I went back out there. If uh, I at the time, I was not really <laughs> right able to think. Oh, how tall is this thing? I was just in in awe that what was happening. But uh, I went back out, and I would have to say it was a minimum of six and a half feet tall, minimum. Because just because I was able to reference the bush and where the bush came up to it, and how tall the grass was, that I could really only see from just about the waist up, maybe mid thigh up really because of the grass. And, uh, so it was pretty tall going from there from mid thigh waist. If the grass is three and a half feet tall and average, it was, it was big, probably another four feet tall or so. What about any kind of defining features, uh, uh, as far as as the, the, the thickness of the fur or was it more hair? Was there a, a skin tone that you could discern underneath it? I uh, wish facial features, uh, uh, eye color. Did you see a shine I wish or anything? I, I wish I, I wish if I did see it, I don't remember seeing that. But what I do remember is, uh, the definition, um, the size. I remember saying this, it looked like it was wearing football pads, mm. Uh, huge no neck and a very large, almost like an oval shaped head. Um, I don't know if it really came to a point per se, like everyone says they do, but it was a big head. So, um, it, what stuck out to me is how big the shoulders were and just how, if this were a person is, it would be, you know, the rock type person. It's just a, <laughs> yeah bodybuilding person with really unusually long arms. They came down really far and they were just massive. That's what stood out to me the most is how big 
just everything, the proportions on the upper body of this, this animal, uh, Bigfoot of it. Can you just giant, what would you take a guess, uh, take a stab at, you know, a, a weight? Oh, uh, this thing, it, 300 pounds minimum, minimum. Yeah. Uh, maybe 350. It was large and it, it just looked like a, it looked like a gorilla, but with longer, a longer, lower body and a bit more lean. It was, you know how gorillas kind of look like their bellies are a little bloated and yeah. kind of didn't look like that. It was very lean, thin, um, more like a linebacker. But, yes, very much so. Very much so. No, no, crazy. no attempt at being able to discern the type of a nose, whether it was uh, hooded like ours or if it was more like a uh, a simian, uh, you know, being flat to the face and and upward facing. <laughs> or if I wish, if I if I even said anything, it would be a guess. It was just yeah. a almost like a, a shadow of, of a creature, really the, the light was at its back. So the moonlight was at its back. So it was very, very shadowed. Yeah. So, so when it turned um, and it, when it turned and decided to make its exit after you, uh, cordially said that you saw it, uh, (laughs) that that's classic, dude. That's, that's hilarious. Um, to, to have the, I don't, you know, some to to witness something like that, and and to be able to have the the balls, I guess, <laughs> or the stupidity, one of the two, <laughs> to, to say that, um, yeah, that that's that's impressive. <laughs> that's impressive. Um, it's, uh, but when yeah. it when it decided to turn and take off, uh, to to go with out of your sight, you're out of your line of sight. Um, were you able to, were you able to hear it for some distance going, crashing through the brush? Yes, or? yes, absolutely. Um, I could hear it just, you know, and just, just pulling. It just sounded like it was everything around. It was breaking branches as it was running. It just had, it sounded like it had no regard or no caution for where it was going. It was just barreling through those bushes. Interesting. It just, and those trees and bushes. Yeah, it was, and these are, it, it's a, a river bottom. So you have a lot of uh, everything down here in Texas for the most part is pointy, right? So uh, there's just thorns and points on everything. And it's just the way it ran through, even when I wear my brush pants out there to walk through and go bird hunting or something, there's thorns that get through and there, there's the thorns out there. Some of them can be an inch long, you know? So for, anything to run through it would have to have a pretty thick hide or fur or some form of protection from these these pointy plants out there and it just was full tilt no hesitation gone and um i know it wasn't because it was intimidated by me it just probably didn't want to be seen right (laughs) so wow that's an incredible encounter when you went back uh as you indicated during the daylight uh, were you able to, were you able to tell like the matted down area that, that it had possibly been, first of all, how, how long of a period of time passed before you went back there? Two days, two days. Two days. So were you able yeah. to tell, um, that there was a mass of something, uh, that it broke down the, the, 
the the grass and the the weeds and everything around that area was there any indications of possibly footprints or actually uh yes i wouldn't no footprints or anything which i did look for is a perfect area for it because it's a river bottom there it's very sandy so anywhere that's bare enough is just sand out there so if there were there's all kinds of deer tracks and raccoons and hogs and bobcats out there and uh, coyotes so I, you can find all those tracks and i really looked in that area and I, I didn't come up with anything in that category but going back towards the bushes and trees where it ran uh there's there's uh when you're looking at it head on from the bush that it was sitting or standing behind when you look back towards the tree line there's uh, a a barrack a facade of trees almost before you reach it so there's a gap and there's about three or four trees a bush uh and then a gap and then the tree the actual hardwood type trees and in between there's some reedy type grass and that was all pushed down like um like a bed almost mm-hmm. and i'll um i'll go back uh, this weekend and i'm sure it's probably if it was bedded down i'll take a picture and send it to you if it still looks like that how but recent it, was um, this this was in october yeah this really? was in october so i'm sure it's the the grass is probably dead. I'm sure it hasn't recovered. So, um, it's probably still pushed down, but that was the only thing I found. And it's hard to link that to Bigfoot definitively because there are so many deer out there that, uh, they bed down in areas just like that, that it's for me to sit here and say, yeah, it's Bigfoot bedded down would be, it would be uh, conjecture. I wouldn't really, uh, but it is interesting that it was in that proximity. Now, the the big question, did you add your sighting to the Bigfoot Mapping Project? Of course. Of course, it's in there. Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, actually, all my uh, my brother has, my, I have another brother, uh, and my father added theirs, and I've encouraged all my friends to add anything that they, they find, and I have a few a few friends that have included things in the, the app themselves. So, yep, I walk the walk. That's awesome. <laughs> That is very, that's a very cool, very cool. I don't know that I would have had the, the wherewithal to. Speak, I don't know if I would use the word wherewithal. <laughs> I think it was, uh, I think more or less if I could describe the feeling I had and, uh, I know that this is going to hit the internet. So even with that, uh, I'll be honest, I'll say I was paralyzed. It was a primal and I, I, I am very familiar with the wilderness. I'm very familiar with the woods and everything out there. I've been hunting for a very long time and, uh, I've never, never once felt that level of not freak out fear. Like, Oh my God, panic. It was not panic. It was primal fight or flight type adrenaline surge fear of this is a, this could be a a real situation. If it comes at me, I can't get out of this. Yeah, exactly. It was in between me and my truck. My truck was probably, it was like Bigfoot myself and my truck made a triangle and Bigfoot was closer to my truck than I was. So there was nowhere to go. Uh, and, um, 
I was struck with a primal level of fear such that I could not move in that moment. I could only think to say the scariest thing I could say was, I see you. <laughs> like, that's it. Just do you, acknowledge do you think it more at, than anything. Do you think at that moment that, that possibly your, your brain was trying to wrap its head around what, what you were seeing and you thought maybe it might be a person? Of course. I mean, that's the first thing you think, right? I'm even though I'm, I, I, I do the Bigfoot mapping project and I am definitely a believer in Bigfoot. Uh, you have to go with the simplest explanation first and Bigfoot is not the simplest explanation first. Um, and logically, of course I thought I might be in danger from another person out here. And if they're on the property, they're trespassing, they could be armed. They could be, um, they could have bad intent and you know, if they're poaching or something like that. And, uh, then after it stood up and we had that exchange and it turned and ran the way it did, that completely changed my opinion of whether it was a person or not. Uh, I didn't immediately jump to, Oh my God, this is big, big foot. And I just thought, Oh my God, this person's way bigger. I'm a small guy. I'm, I'm like five, eight, you know, I, I'm a former athlete. I'm, I'm call myself a non-athletic regular person now. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there's no way I'm 35. There's no way I'm uh, in the best shape. So I was, I knew I was in a, a situation and um, that's the first thing I thought is, Oh, this, this could be a person who doesn't have the best intent for being out here. Yeah. And uh, after the fact, looking back on everything and, and going through it, sitting in my truck, that was Bigfoot immediately. I think not even, I didn't even pull out of the pasture yet and open the gate. I was already on the phone with my, like I said, my mom, you won't believe, you won't believe what I just saw. You won't believe it. It was, I still, I still can't believe that, that it happened that way. I can't believe it. Has it changed? Has it changed the, the mindset for you going back out hunting again? Uh, it's funny you ask. I just, my parents came to visit this weekend, which is why we didn't do a call on Friday. And, uh, I took my father, uh, hog hunting at the same spot. Um, it's made me a little more aware, but I don't feel threatened out there. I still feel very comfortable walking around looking for deer sheds. And I mean, I was in the really in the, in the thick of it, uh, a couple weeks ago looking for deer sheds and never once really had that feeling just it's always in the back of your mind, but no, I, I think, um, if there was ever an instance where some uh, Bigfoot would have attacked someone, it was in that instance. I, I, and I just don't feel based on my personal experience, the two of them that they're violent or threatening. Um, certainly any, any animal can be, uh, but I think if they can avoid it based on everything I've lived um just the two the two instances they'll they'll bluff and they'll avoid it or they'll turn tail and run i I don't have the impression that they're violent i really don't so with your the amount of time that you you've spent looking into this subject and and the the collection of all the data that goes into your your app and and your website your personal experiences uh at at the end of the day when you're getting into bed you pull covers up over you and you think Bigfoot, something more closely related to us or a wild animal? 
That's a that's a tough question, actually, because very tough uh, question. I'm question. My my background's geography, so I'm not a biologist or anything like that. But if I had to really come to an opinion and and put my opinion out there, I I think they are. Um, I think they're more animal. I, I think they're likely close to us, but I think more closer to a, a, a an instinctual type animal. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think they have all of the intelligence that people attribute to them, although I do think they're more intelligent than perhaps like a deer or a coyote, and they're not driven by instinct purely. I think they have some form of intellect, but um, I think it's more on the level of like, I mean, you see chimpanzees doing crazy things and I think it's a simian type intelligence rather than a human type intelligence. The thing Um, that I always go back to is I see this, I can't remember if it was a video, if it was just a still photograph. And I think it came from maybe somewhere like along the Amazon or whatever. And there was an orangutan that was hanging off of a tree. Uh, His, his feet, I think were on the trunk and his one arm was stretched out over a limb that was hanging over a river and it had a spear in its hand. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, it was, it was mimicking what it had learned from the, the local culture as far as fishing and it was doing it for itself. And, you know, that is a, that is a, that's an intelligence that's there. And, and it's, Absolutely. And it's easy to look at that and assign human traits or human attributes to that, but it's still just a. It's still just a wild animal, but it has, right, right. It, it has the capacity to learn. And, and I think that's where these things are. And I think that's what, you know, I, I tend to feel that they're more closely related to us. And when I say that, I think what I'm getting at is their intelligence is, is far and above what we consider common for, for animals in the wild. And I think, I think that that's what makes so many people attribute or, or put human attributes to them, you know, and then put them on two uh, legs absolutely. standing upright, you know, it, it's, if it I walks it's like a duck natural. and talks like a duck. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's, uh, it's tough because my, I would like to say that my opinion is always evolving based on everything I start to uncover, uh, in behavior. Um, and I'm very open to being wrong. Uh, what do I really know? I've never s- seen anything besides anecdotal evidence and, um, from, of course, from reliable sources who I, I assume are telling the truth, but yeah. until you can measure and understand or look something in the eyes, um, you know, of course I have to be open to being wrong and, who knows? Maybe it is a, a woo Bigfoot, you know, rather than a what I think a, a, a simian Bigfoot is. Um, but I try to base my exploration of the Bigfoot phenomena in uh, my knowledge of maps and data, and form my opinion and share what I learn uh, in, in, in through that media, uh, rather than. Um, Rather than I don't I don't want to say guessing, but uh, rather than putting things out there with without 
support or, or supporting evidence all the time. So uh, I try to keep what I put out there, as you've seen, um, rooted in uh, some type of data or fact yeah. that I yeah. can tie to to the, the data set. You know, in this, maybe this is a suggestion just for something to put in the back of your head. Uh, if, as you progress with this, this app and, and the collection of, of reports and sightings, and if you start to, I, I have to assume that in the background, uh, for your own, for your own edification, you're, you're probably, uh, have maybe one, two, three, four, five sets of, uh, areas that seem to be a hot spots and and you're you're watching those but maybe a little bit more closely than everything as a whole if if you do find that there is a spot that you're getting continued uh sightings and reports and is there a possibility that you might on your end start to put out cameras that would be accessible your it's site. like you've read my notebook a couple of times. <laughs> Honestly, yes. Uh, I've had the thought of creating um, like a camera network that, mm-hmm. that just uh, posts to, to the site and making that public. Um, of course, I wouldn't publish the exact location right, of the camera exactly. or anything like that. That was going to be my next. <laughs> so it would be a general area um, and probably at the county level, <laughs> truthfully. Yeah. Because I mean, uh, it's easy to figure things out when you go any anywhere, even at the county level. Um, if people want to, they'll figure it out. And uh, yes, I have that. I have had that thought uh, actually a few times about reaching out to different folks who live uh, close to these areas. I've been looking at, and I do a hot spot analysis. Actually, uh, I go through how I do it in the. I have a YouTube channel which I don't post a lot of videos on. Um, it was when I was dipping my toe in social media at the beginning of this, and uh, I started to make instructional type videos about how I analyze the data, which I, I might, if people are interested, continue with. But um, so yes, I, I do have a few hot spots that uh, are really, really busy. And uh, I would love to put a camera out there. Some are uh, hard to access, I would say, private property-wise, or uh, there's rules around recording or leaving cameras on national parks and national forests. It's You have to really be careful in different states with that and different parks. So, um, But, yeah, that's a great question. I think it's a great suggestion. Hopefully, one day... Uh, I can do all of these things that I, I start to write down on my big foot. I call it my big foot notebook. Um, I have a little moleskin. That I just, you know, I'm at work. I'll stop doing it. And I'll write, all right, got to do this. Okay. Back to work. You know? Yeah. So it's just going to keep growing and I'll turn the page of, you know, more and more ideas of how we can uh, perpetuate the message that we have of um, technology learning more about the environment. I think if I haven't said it or it hasn't come through in this interview, I think one of the best things somebody can do if they're interested in Bigfoot is learn more about the environment and conservation in general. Uh, The more you understand, the more you understand about nature being safe out there, um, just go sit down, uh, Google a Bobcat call, you know, or a Fox howl. 
And uh, I think when you're familiar with what that sounds like, you'll start to be able to eliminate things and really know what is out of the ordinary in the wilderness rather than, um, you know, being an, uh, uninformed. There's plenty of resources out there. And I, maybe that's another thing I should do is, is create a page of uh, resources for being safe. Safety is a number one priority part of the app. I have a wildfire boundary on there. So if anybody's out at the wildfires uh, and stay away from those, and um, I'm probably going to add streaming weather radar in there as well. So you can be safe while you're out there. That's yeah. very important to me as well. And that, uh, that's a, I, I like that take on it because, you know, because of what you're doing, it, it invites an interest in people going out and looking at these areas and, and, and not even necessarily these areas, but just getting out for themselves. And, and I think that's a great take to, uh, to be proactive and, and help people because, you know, I have a friend of mine, she's a, she's a wonderful lady, but her, she's a self-proclaimed city slicker. She comes from Chicago <laughs> and, and they go up into the upper peninsula every summer of Michigan to, to go camping for a week and you know they had they had some experiences and Mm -hmm. um you know scared the hell out of them and she said flat out we are not prepared to be out there you know (laughs) we're not prepared we don't have bear spray we don't have you know nobody's wearing a sidearm and we're we're going into these areas with our young kids and right you know right even even i mean of course, bear spray and sidearm with, in bear country is very important, but even something as simple as proper hydration. I mean, most people bring a 16 ounce bottle of water with them for a, a day hike. You know, you got to bring a gallon at yeah. least, you know, just to be safe in case you get lost. And it's those types of, um, the reason I mentioned that is I, I tied, uh, that book, uh, again, uh, the cold vanish. Um, it's funny how, quickly when you're out in the wilderness things can go wrong uh, and you just need to be prepared and uh, a day hike can turn into three days in the woods being lost and um, so I should add a safety uh, page to the website so people can have a nice resource for that as well that's a great suggestion Um, thank you for that I'm gonna I'm gonna circle back way back to to the beginning kind of and I want to ask you one more thing before I let you go I know you got stuff to do as far as uh, the crowdsourcing for uh, just the average Joe on the street who had an experience, they can go to your website, they can enter in their report. Now, I assume that report goes to you prior to being posted on the site. And if you could, this might not be a short answer, but uh, the vetting process for for le- legitimizing a, a report, if you could go into that. Sure. Um, I, so I'm not as thorough as the BFRO. I don't interview everyone that makes a report. However, I am notified when there is a report submitted and I do go read that report and make sure that it's not a troll basically, or mm-hmm. somebody putting something in there. That's even if it's inappropriate, it's, it's out of there. You know, I, I, I don't, um, I don't want to encourage anybody to, to do so. And also I have a disclaimer in the, in the app uh, itself so that people have to, I don't publish it, but I do capture people's emails when they, uh, 
submit a sighting so I can follow up with them um, and clarify things. And, or if exactly, I, I, I want to make sure that there's some sort of accountability for putting uh, that information into the database. And mm-hmm. that was the best way I could do it, a disclaimer and uh, capturing their, their email. And um, also, I, I mean, I've had people reach out and I'll walk them through, for example, if they're not familiar with how to use a mobile app or the website, I will have a phone call <laughs> and I'll walk people through putting the sighting in or um, that type of stuff. But yes, every sighting, it, I do read it. These, they're read by my eyes only most of the time when they come in and um, I'll delete them if they're even remotely close to being, you know, false or yeah. inflammatory in any way. Absolutely. Scott, I'm going to tell you, man, this has been an absolute pleasure. This has been a lot of fun. I really enjoyed this interview. Yeah, this has been great. Thank you for having me, Eric. I, uh, I, I gotta say I could talk about this for hours. So, <laughs> well, let, let's hold on to some stuff because I got a feeling we're going to do this again. Yeah. Um, wonderful. I, I think I you're, so. I think you're on the track of doing something that's really good for this, uh, for this community, uh, and for, for this topic. So, um, keep doing what you're doing, man, because it's, uh, you know, it's still in its infancy, uh, to be honest, but it's impressive as hell. And, uh, Thank you. It, it's an enjoyable app. I mean, you, you can spend, uh, I, I would rather, I would rather go through this than sit and watch half hour TikTok videos and, <laughs> and, you know, brush up on my, uh, uh, my Bigfoot, uh, sighting. So, uh, if you would, before we get out of here, give everybody all your information as far as email, where they can find you on social media and, and the name sure. of the app. And, uh, let's, let's get everybody pointed towards you. Sure. Um, so I'll start with the website. Uh, the website really has all the information on it, including contact. It's www.bigfootmap.com. And the name of the app is Bigfoot map, all one word. It's on Android and iOS. Um, my contact, the best way to get to me directly is, uh, Scott at bigfootmap.com. And if you'd like to follow me on Instagram, it's Bigfoot Mapping Project, all one word. And uh, please, uh, please reach out. I'll do my best. I always message anyone back who has any questions or constructive criticism, even negative criticism. I might message you back. I, I go back and forth with one of my favorite trolls on my on my posts <laughs> in a in a friendly way, but. Uh, even the, even the, they, they admit they enjoy it. So yeah, I, I will always try to engage and take everything constructively. And, um, I appreciate any ideas or suggestions people may have. Uh, I do try and put a lot of thought into the maps that I make and you'll notice I'm not always, uh, I don't have a schedule that I adhere to when I post a map or anything because if it's not good, it's not good. I'm just not putting stuff out there to, mm-hmm. to create content. Um, I'm, I'm really try to take time and think about things that are informative and helpful and interesting. You know, I'm glad, you, than, I'm glad you said that. And I'm going to jump in here real quick because that is something that struck me once I, once I decided to go to your Instagram site and started looking at that stuff there, there's really no fluff. Every, no, every, no. Everything that's on there is it's obvious that you spent a good deal of time on it. It's, it's not something that's just like, thrown out there for the sake of getting some content out there it you, you've you've you're doing a very good job with what you're doing 
And Thank you. It's it's important that um, there's enough fluff out there, and uh, I want people when they come visit the the. Uh, my profile or the website to be able to uh, walk away feeling like they gained a few brain cells or, <laughs> <laughs> uh, or at least uh, saw it, you know, added a few pieces to the puzzle. And um, I do, I do post, there's a little fluff. Um, I'll admit I, I, I do sell stickers on the website. That's one thing that's a fluff, but I do not push that. That is not, uh, it's just something to keep the lights on it. That's not what this project is about. Uh, it's really, um, it's important to me to be able to perpetuate the project, but, uh, it's not, it's not a, um, it's not a content media generation type thing like that at all. This is a passion project for me. And, uh, I am very happy to be able to use my knowledge and skills to build things that people enjoy reading and, and might not be able to access or put together themselves and share that with the community. That's really what this is for me uh, and to be able to get out there. Well, that passion shows it, it does. It, it's well done. It's put together very well. It's concise and uh, man, it's, it's a great pocket pal to, to have, you know, stick in your back pocket or your side pocket or your, uh, your cargo pants and uh, you've just got instant access to an awful lot of information it's terrific it really is uh, Scott thanks so much for being with me tonight and uh, we're, we're going to do this again so uh, hold on my to pleasure those stories and, and and we're gonna we're gonna get back at this so can't wait can't wait to come back with even more thank you so much all right thank you thank you I want to hear your story I want to hear your experience. So email me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, then leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. Share the show with your friends. Share the show on social media. Make sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter all at Uncomfortable Podcast. And until next week, my friends, stay uncomfortable.